and welcome to Harvest Church Podcast. Harvest Church is based in sunny Durban, South Africa. We are a family of believers who are passionate about Jesus. We really hope this message inspires you today. So what I want to speak on today, um, George is taking us through Romans 8 and uh, I want to add something to Romans 8. Uh, Romans 8 is, uh, for me, a very, very good left hook, and then the book of Galatians combined with that is a right hook. And uh, the the book of Romans uh, helps us understand what the grace of God is and takes us through some of the technicalities of the word and, and takes us into what Christ has fully accomplished on our behalf. And not only that, through his resurrection, who we are and what we get to be a part of and how we can co-labor. And then Galatians comes and, man, he, if Paul was here, we'd have to strap it in. Uh, he would give you such a right hook that all forms of com- condemnation from the law will leave you immediately. So if you want to have a real healthy understanding of, of Christ and uh, the full outworking of what he's done, man, those two books together absolutely outstanding, and the encouragement that Alexander Fenter gave us, 45 minutes as a sitting for Romans, and it's going to be a little less than that. It's probably going to be about 15 minutes in the book of Galatians, and you can just take those two, and uh, so I trust today is going to be a compliment of where George has been taking us, and uh, um, that's what I want to do today. So all of us have certain operating systems on how we relate to God. I want to speak about how are you relating to God. I want to bring it into us as a community. I want to bring it to bring us back. And, and I don't want to speak into the city. I don't want to speak into that. I want to bring you and I into this place and ask the question, how are you relating to God? Uh, you could be a seeker. and You could be relating to God in I'm wanting to seek. I'm wanting to get to know. So you might be going through history. You, might, you just want to come and understand what is this? Maybe something drew you here. The presence of God is, is, is the grace of God is, 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 a, is here on planet earth right now. It's a dispensation that the grace of God is being released because God's desire is for all men to be saved. So he is working even when we're not working. He's working even when we're not preaching. He's working in you outside, uh, just being who you are if your heart is leaning towards his presence and you understanding the full outworking of what Jesus done. For me, Jesus makes everything, I, I just get it. I, I, get the, I get the word through understanding the finished work of Jesus and then I kind of expound from there. And um, you and I have got operating systems, so you might be here as a seeker, uh, but there's certain ways your life's operating in and how you wanting to relate to God, if you're wanting to relate to God. But uh, in, in the church, we've got Primarily two operating systems. One's called the religious system or a legalistic system, and another one's called grace. And the one's called uh, operating system of the law, and the other one's called the operating system of righteousness by faith in Christ, where grace reigns and rules. And um, you, you know, they say that there's a competition between law and grace. There's not. Grace wins all the time. Grace is available to us all the time. But in our human nature, what we do is I want the fullness of God, but I'm going to do it in a previous operating system that. God calls obsolete, I'm going to still try and do that, and the promises still do come, but it's a lot of striving, and it's a lot of effort, where the grace of God, we lean into His faithfulness, and we rest in His promises. 
But sometimes the kingdom doesn't come as quickly as we want, do we? So what happens in the place of not relating to God on the basis of what Jesus has fully done, we go back to striving and we go back to our own human effort. And you and I are a privileged people that we get to operate in the grace of God through the operating system of Christ and Him alone. And we've got that privilege, but we don't often walk in that privilege because we don't see things happening as quickly as we want, so we go back to our human effort. And you and I are Gentiles, and what that means is that we weren't from the chosen race of Israel in the beginning, so we were Gentiles, but the gospel was for the Gentiles. The law, the Ten Commandments, was given to Israel for them to understand and know that they are going to need a savior because in my own human nature, I will never be able to fulfill all the law because my nature first needed to be changed. The gospel of Christ is when we believe in him, the spirit of God comes into us and exchange takes place. He takes out out of us the nature of sin that was opposed to God or resists God and he puts in within us the gift of righteousness which comes by you believing. In Colossians 2, it says, as you came to Christ, now continue in him. You and I, we have no problem in believing Jesus for eternal life, but we go back to some legal systems and how to bring about the promises of God. Where Paul's like, come on, guys, let's stay in Christ. Let's stay in Christ. And the most frustrating thing for me in my own life and my own journey has been when I've gone to striving to see the fulfillment of some promises. And they come, they come about sometimes, but it's by the sweat of my brow. It's a toil of my striving in my performance to try and become acceptable to God. And if I get a tick, then the promise will come where actually the fulfillment is in Jesus. So that's why Jesus makes so much sense to me and Christology and the study of it makes so much sense because in that, if I remain there, I remain free and I walk holy by accident, not on purpose. Paul says it this way from Galatians 2.19, now Paul was speaking as a Jew. Let me actually go one or two verses above. He was speaking as a Jew who has just been saved in Galatians 2. I've got it in my notes, but I actually want to do a couple of verses before. Oh, Paul. Father, help me with my time today in Jesus' name. We ourselves, Paul speaking, are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified, made right before God, or brought into right standing with God by the works of the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified or made right before God or righteous by faith, In Christ and not by the works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. He's speaking to the Jews there. Okay? They don't just get a free ticket. Okay? We still, doesn't matter if you 
on the Jewish side or the Palestinian side, everyone needs Jesus. Okay, that's why we call to be one new man. All of those dividing walls get broken down because of what Christ has done. Okay, then he carries on, and I'm going to go to verse 19. Now I'll go to 17. But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law I died to the law so that I might live to God. We died to a certain operating system so I can live to God the way he wants us to in relationship through Christ. Not through any other operating system. It does not compare and it cannot compare. He doesn't want us to operate in something that he called obsolete. I have been crucified with Christ. Listen to this. Don't we want to live like this? Paul, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify or make void or bring to nothing the very grace of God. For if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Or who's manipulated you? Who's manipulating you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law, by hearing with faith? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit and to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law, by hearing, by faith, just as Abraham Believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. So he brings us into Abraham. The covenant of Abraham was by belief. Then he goes and he bounces. Boom. He has the law system, but he bounces over the law system. And he comes and he says, we receive righteousness the same way. But as good Christians, what we do is we try and maintain acceptance and approval and relating to God through a system that is called obsolete. In relating to Him. You see, the Bible says in Corinthians, Christ is the end of the law for righteousness sake. It's not the end of the law. He came to fulfill the law because therein is systems of justice and morality, etc., etc. But if you are relating to God in those systems, you're never going to connect to the heart of God and what he wants for you and how to operate in relationship with God purely through Jesus. So let's come back. I want to I go, come. Come back to Jesus. Because you know what? I, I, I see lethargy. I, I see people's hopelessness. I, I see pluralism in the church now like you can't believe. It's like Jesus plus a little bit of this and a little bit of Hinduism, a little bit of this and a, a little bit. There's so many little bits on the side because why? I, I, I'm only relating to Jesus through my salvation, not through Sozo, which means he'll deliver 
saved, rescued, etc., etc. So, so we, we love Jesus' entrance, but we don't know then how to operate in Christ and the grace He's given us so we can see the kingdom come now. So I believe the kingdom is for now, but my, in my expression, sometimes not yet, and, but I'm, I'm going after it. But even when I get consumed with the kingdom coming, sometimes I have to stop because I find myself striving to see the very works of God come because they promises. I have to go, okay, Jesus, let me come back to the foundation of how I relate to you. Because relating to the Father, if it's through Him, the propitiation or the satisfaction of God, it's no longer about your works. Does that say we don't have to do anything? No. But what's the motive? We have to be the busiest. We have to be the most impactful. But what's the motive? Is it through this lane of the operating system of legalism? Or is it by the grace of God that he's offered us? And Paul, he says, man, who's bewitched you? Who's, who's taken hold of you again? That something else is replacing Christ in your life. Who, who's done that? Get hold of Christ. Get hold of the teaching of you. Look at his life. Go and discover the death, burial, and the resurrection. And oh, when the tomb rolled and his presence was released and he ascended to heaven, that door was for you and I to experience the Father's nature and his character and his culture. I don't know why I write notes. <laughs> you see, Paul, he said this in Galatians 1, 6. He says, I marvel that you so soon removed him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. Another gospel. See, like us, we don't renounce Christ as Messiah or Savior but we get legalistic in our minds and we convince ourselves that we can't be right with God by believing only in what Jesus has done. So I wanna speak about some types and some shadows and I'm gonna take you back to Moses. I'm gonna show you where Christ is there and there's my effort and then there's faith, even in Moses. And... Um, Quickly, just tell the story, and you'll see it in, in Exodus 34. So Moses is coming down from the mountain, and he's seen the finger of God right on tablets, and he's got the Ten Commandments, and uh, he's coming down, and he goes, what's going on? And he breaks the Ten Commandments. He breaks the very law of God because he's seeing the people breaking the first and second commandments immediately, and they were like, oh, I don't know what happened. We threw our gold in the fire and a calf appeared. So we had to worship it. You see, I said to George earlier, I'm so glad I don't have to lead a million, three million people. Man, these guys were complaining, grumbling. They, they, they wanted things now. It seems like the Gen Zs. No, I want it now, now. So that was like that. So I want to take us to, in your life right now, what, what Moses did to the rock, he, God told him to speak to it, but he, he struck it. 
in our life concerning the words of God, the promises of God, what He's saying to us, if there's underlying anger and if there's underlying frustration and if there's underlying things keeping you away from the presence of God, let me tell you, you're going to hear Him, but your actions are going to not be what He spoke. And I want to share with us a little bit from from Moses. And uh, it's amazing, the very first guy to get given the law breaks it. Now, it's, you know when you miss it, do you think God's like, oh, I never expected that from him. Craig, missed it. I can't believe it. God doesn't fall off his throne. So he, he, he wasn't like, oh my goodness, you broke it. You broke the law. You, you smashed it. You see, Moses didn't go into the promised land, not because he broke the law, because he didn't respond to the Father by faith. And let's see that. You and I, when we break the law, the promises of God are still available to us. But here's the reality. You put many roadblocks in the way because of your striving to try and achieve it apart from Christ. You are privileged people who have Christ who is the door who is the gate, who is the way. But we try and do it. Okay, Jesus, you did it. Hey, I'm going to try and do it just like you. And I'm not speaking here to you. I'm speaking like, man, this has been my 20 years. And I started well. Let's read it from Numbers. Interesting story. So I'm going to go from verse 2. Miriam's, she's died and she was buried. So now there was no water for the congregation and they assembled themselves together against Moses and against Aaron. Harvest, thank you so much that you don't assemble yourself against George and I appreciate it. And the people quarreled with Moses and said, and you know what, you're so perfect, there's no quarreling here either. Thank you, Lord, for that. We, what? Oh, Would that we had perished when our brothers perished before the Lord. Why have you brought the assembly of the Lord into this wilderness that we should die here, both we and our cattle? Now I won't get naughty about loving animals too much. And why have you made us come up out of Egypt to bring us to this evil place? Is it, it's no place for grain or figs or vines or pomegranates and there's no water to drink. Then Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the entrance of the tent of the meeting and fell on their faces and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. Can you, I mean, he's, him and Aaron have had it for a long time, man. Like a long, long time, long time. You go and read in Numbers. He's like, God, these are your people, kill them. And God's like, no, I'm going to change my mind. And then God's like, "Mm, I agree with you. I'm going to kill them. And then Moses is like, why? Don't kill them. So there's been this discussion, a friend of God, Moses. But can you imagine them? I don't know what Moses' posture looked like. It's probably like this. With a heavy weight. So, they talk, I complain, no water, no water. Yes, I know, I'm also thirsty. Okay, okay, my solution. Father, go and they're Glory of God comes. Straight. We do that, eh? Opiknia. People, they complain, they tune you what you're not doing, you're not doing this, you're not doing that, you're not doing that. <laughs> and you go and sit with the Father and you're like, Father, one day with you is like a thousand years. 
If I come back, can it be 3,021, please? Sometimes. I don't know if I'm going to get through this message. But the, what God spoke to him was this. They went out, they fell on their faces, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, take the staff and assemble the congregation, you and Aaron, your brother, and tell and speak to the rock before their eyes to yield its water. That's power right there, huh? Speak to the rock, water's going to come out. So you shall bring water out of the rock for them and give drink to the congregation and their cattle. And Moses took the staff before them and the Lord and he commanded them. And then Moses and Aaron gathered together and it's like, ooh, the Lord's on our side again. The assembly together before the rock and he said, here now you rebels, father's back on my side. We shall bring water out of this rock. And Moses lifted up his hand instead of speaking. He struck it. He was angry. He was irritated. How many things come, what does your actions look like when you're angry or you're irritated or you're frustrated? You, you know the, the word of God, but then some, something or someone does something to you and you act differently. Yes? So this is exactly what happened to Moses, we, we know what love looks like and the requirements of Romans 12, what love looks like. But if there's this underlying stuff in our lives, because we're frustrated because it's not working as we want, those things come out differently. And this is exactly what happened to Moses. And the Lord said to Moses, oh, and Moses lifted up his hand, struck the rock with his staff twice, and water came out abundantly and the congregation drank and their livestock. Here's the thing. Moses didn't do what God said, but God still blessed the people. Still blessed the people. You know, there's some stuff in your life that might not be 100%, but God will still bless people through you. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not believe in me, to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people, Therefore, you shall not bring this assembly into the land that I have given them. You see, it wasn't breaking the law. It was me responding or trying to get the promise or the, or the outworking of God's word in my own ability or my own strength or my own performance or my striving. We leave faith because of the time it's taking for it to come. Don't leave faith. Don't leave the realm of faith to go and I'm going to outwork this myself. I've seen it, I've, I've seen people get saved, but then they, they go back to the traditions of man, or they'll go, they'll go back to other belief systems to bring that into place. You see, you and I, we use our striving, we, we strike instead of speak. And with Jesus, he said, ask. Don't go and work it out in your own ability or your own strength. And, and I understand, you know, he, he was irritated he was angry. He was like, I'm going to get you guys back. And he did the very thing the Lord asked him not to do. And, and I, I've seen this so often. I'm going to just come on aside here. I've seen what angry preachers have done to the body of Christ. Well, I'm not talking to you. I'm looking there. I'm looking f far away. 
Hey, I, I was actually feeling quite emotional there, but then you took that away, you stole it. <laughs> I, I've seen the devastation of angry preachers. Don't know why I'm getting emotional, but I have. I've, I've seen people get told who they're not because they're still on a journey. I've seen a behavior modification. I've seen people disciple behavior before they disciple identity. You see, Paul says this, you've got many instructors and guardians in the Lord, but not many fathers. True father heart and mother heart of God who is connected with the heart of God will always push toward because they see something beyond the behavior and that's a son and a daughter that is emerging. You see, angry preachers, the Bible says, won't produce the righteousness of God that he desires. And he says that in, in James 1.20. You see, an instructor or someone who wants your behavior to change quickly, not understanding the full outworking of what Christ has done in a believer. See, the discipleship is taking what God has done in you and allowing that to develop through how God has created you to be in your creativity. That's why the church is not cookie cut. But we want to set up systems that everyone looks the same because we don't know what to do with true freedom. And often when people hear the word true freedom, it equals something that is not of God. No, true freedom looks like Christ. It looks like how Jesus lived. And an instructor, because they're instructing you to change, they're discipling you, and you know what? It's not everyone's bad intention to do this. They're instructing you to change behaviorally, and if you don't, you're a reflection on them. Therefore, they distance themselves from you until you sort your muck out. But what did the father do every time? What did Jesus do when there was mess? And you know, you and I, in our minds, when we look at sin, we, we compartmentalize them. we like, boom, boom. Oh, those are the worst ones. My ones are little underneath. No, Jesus died for sin. And there's eight, eight Greek words for the word sin. Go and study it. So you're sinning right now. Just say thank you, Jesus, for your blood. That's why his blood cleanses us from a guilty conscience. You, you see, the grace of God is so deep, it's so wide, it's so vast, and it's so available to you and I. But because our identity is not connected to sonship, what we do is we try and outwork it in our own ability to try and prove to God what Jesus has already given us by the Spirit. Fathers lean towards the, the, the kingdom, you and I, because you are the fathers and mothers in the city. You lean towards pain. You press towards it because that's the nature of God because you can see past the behavior. Now, I do understand there are evil people. And they are gonna, they're gonna, it's going to take an encounter with God to shift and change things through the prayers of believers. It's such a responsibility with you and I, but come back and say, okay, I want, I want my responsibility, but I want to connect relationally with the Father. This is how I want to relate to you, Father, first. Because we're climbing through hoops. My Bible says this 
in Romans 7, that the law revives sin. I'll read it to you. I was alive once without the law. But when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. Go and read the whole of Romans 7. 6 and 7, fantastic. Romans 6, 14 says this. Sin shall no longer be your master or have dominion over you because you're not under the law but under grace. So, therefore, if you know that what you're doing is sin, you are under the law. There's two things. If you are an unbeliever, it is your nature then to sin because you've got a sin nature. If you're a believer and you're sinning, it's because you are governing your life through the system of the law and not in the liberty of Christ. You see, it's the grace of God that works in you to change you when you can't change yourself. But we don't want the grace of God. We don't want to preach the grace of God. We, because, ooh, you're going to give people a license to sin. Hold your tongue, Richie. I nearly did some Afrikaans expressiveness. I get, I'm like, no. It's, that's not biblical. The Bible says you're sinning because you're under the law. You're frustrating and nullifying the grace of God. Because if righteousness came through the law, Christ died for nothing. Then we would still be in the system, walking through the system, trying to get right before God. You are right before God if you're in Christ. You know, friends, I know this. People go, ooh, but what about discipline? Okay, I'll help you. I love this gospel so much, I'm telling you. Yeah, we need to disciple one another in this gospel. The will of man needs to be connected to the will of God. But if you don't understand that the will of God is good, pleasing, and perfect, you're not going to connect yourself to it. Okay, the Bible says this. You and I can quench the Holy Spirit and we can grieve the Holy Spirit. Now, for the sake of time, I want to speak about grieving. You see, you grieve if you love. If you love something, you're committed to something, you're going to grieve. The loss of something, trauma, could be divorce, it could be, or if you're a parent, you're a parent, you've probably grieved. You see, we grieve the Holy Spirit because we are acting outside of our nature when we choose to do certain things that are not kingdom. That grieves his heart. You see, because he has invested himself into you to become the likeness of Christ. He has conformed, the Holy Spirit is there to conform you and I into the likeness of Christ. So if you're a parent and you are discipling your kids in their nature, not in their behavior first, behavior will change if they understand they're safe, loved, and have a purpose and have a destiny. 
Now, I, as a parent, before, I've, I've always worked, how do I grieve you? How do I grieve you? So I've never fully connected with it until I was a parent. Now, guess what? Kids have to make mistakes. If your kids aren't making mistakes in your environment, then you have established a fear of punishment. Thank God there. When you establish a fear of punishment, People will do well only if the punisher is near. But once the punisher is no longer near, people will still live out of their hearts. You see, so people fear to come to communities and come to churches in fear of someone's gonna find out their mess and be judged and condemned. When are we gonna be a community that reflects, and I believe we are, and we're in a transition to that, that we can be those that release people of the condemnation. You see, it's only in a place of safety that you can be vulnerable. There's so many people caught up in stuff and in darkness and all of these things because they don't feel safe to come out. Because why? The church has had a history of judgment, of telling, of law, of fix your mess before you come. But what did Jesus do? He moved towards it every time. Every time he moves towards it. And I understand when in my own family and, and my kids do something, I, I, I felt the pain of grieving. But you see, here's the beauty about the father. You see, in the old covenant, if the father was offended or grieved, he was governed by the law which man desired to then bring about punishment. But thank God his nature is so wanting a new covenant to relate to people that he's now governed by a new nature that Christ absorbed everything. So even in his grieving, he still pours out love and mercy and grace. You see, you don't even know the amount of grieving that you've done to the Father because the expression that He fills and pours over you is still drawing you back and is still mercy and is still grace and He's still kindness and He wants to disciple us in our nature and sometimes as you walk in God and you mature, He grabs you and He says, stop my boy, it's not who you are. Wake up, man. So those are good discipleship things. It's not wake up because you behave. It's wake up, you're forgetting who you are. Come on, Rich. And I know this. If I know that of the Father, His desires for me to treat those who are caught in stuff or make mistakes or walk outside of their identity to reflect the same. So when I felt grieved by a child's actions or choices, I have a moment to go, how am I gonna respond? Am I gonna respond out of an instructor? You're a reflection of me. And you know what? Our kids, whether they like it or not, as a pastor, your kids, they feel the pressure. 
and stuff. I don't want my kids to feel that pressure. I want to be a father that they can make mistakes, but they're going to fix their messes and they're going to walk it through. I don't want pressure in my kids. I'd rather get out of ministry. But I still want to reflect the nature of God to people. And when I feel the grieving heart of God, you know what I do? Yes, I'm baby today, man. I, I get on my knees and I'm going, God, I don't know when I've grieved you, but I'm sorry. I want to reconnect to your heart. I want to reconnect. You see, it's not the punishment or the judgment of God that draws me back. It's the goodness and the kindness of God that leads me to repentance. When I understand what God has done in Christ and that my life is by faith and it's not by the striving and the striving is, revi is reviving the sin that I don't want to do. I get on my knees and I'm, Father, I want to reconnect with your heart. You see how God deals with us. He's like, if you connect with my heart, you're not going to want to grieve my heart. In our relationships, if we build deeper than we build, you don't want to hurt one another because it grieves each other's hearts. What does a community look like if we can build authentically like that and go, I'm going to help you on the journey. You see, guys, I know this. If someone's sin is affecting the whole, we have to deal with it. But we're not going to deal with it in a way that that person does not feel safe. We will remove that person from people because it affects the whole. But the person is still important. And if they keep on choosing, they keep on choosing. There's biblical mandates that I'm sorry, you can't fellowship with us. You're messing up our love feast. But if our love feast is that attractive, people would want to do anything to get there. So in our lives... Are we striking or are we speaking? You have to speak to yourself first. And as a community, speak to each other. Are you striving? Are you in rest? Are you in faith? That's where we are. We're a new covenant people, a chosen race, a royal priesthood. We're different because we're different by nature. So there are types and shadows, and I'm gonna land in a couple of seconds. There's types and shadows that Moses was walking through. The promised land is a type of Christ. The rock was a type of Christ. And the amazing thing is, God didn't want Moses equals the lawgiver into the promised land. You see, friends, the effects of law mixed with grace makes you confused. You see, if, if it was God's intention saying, Moses, but my son, my friend, I'm not taking you and your system or what you represent into the promised land called Christ. Because in the promised land, it's about inheritance and how we take the gifts that he's armed us with to take the enemies out. You go through the waters of baptism into a place of inheriting your destiny. Jesus is the water. He's the rock.
Paul wrote this whole book of Galatians to, to help believers in Galatia understand that mixing law and grace is futile and will rob them from knowing and experiencing the riches of the power and the presence of God in their lives. You see, friends, my Bible says anything done without faith is sin. Romans 14, 23. We need the grace of God, but he wants us to stay in the realm of trust. Telling people how bad they are is not gonna reveal Christ in them. I think I'm done. Let's stand together. So friends, this week, come back to Jesus as how you relate to God. Allow the Spirit of God to teach you, to bring you back into that place. You see, Jesus plus anything equals nothing. But Jesus plus nothing equals everything. We're a privileged people, sons and the daughters of God who is waiting for you and I to walk into our inheritance and our destiny. Paul says this in Galatians 1.8, he says, but though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than this, which we have preached unto you, let them be accursed. He was consumed with Jesus and what Jesus had fully accomplished on his behalf. Friends, let us get consumed with Jesus again and how we relate to the Father. Because the Father's desire is that you connect it to him, that you connect it to him on the basis of what Jesus has done. Christianity is the most alive place to be in Christ. So Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for every person here, every person watching. I thank you, Father, for this community of believers who take radical steps towards walking in what you have given us by your spirit, Jesus. Father, I thank you that you have made the way available that we can come to the throne of grace with boldness and confidence and we receive mercy and we find grace to help us in our time of need. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Take each individual on the journey of going, I wanna relate to you. Thank you, Father, that we are in an attraction wherever we go because of who we are and whose we are and who we carry and who's upon us. And I thank you, Holy Spirit. Lead and guide. Transform our lives that we can transform those around us. In Jesus' name, I wanna say thank you for your grace. Amen and amen.